is Sober Reference. You're listening to A Sober Story, digestible conversations filled with evidence that you can do anything without picking up a drink. We share more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com, and hope you'll connect with us on social media. Search Sober Reference now and look for our logo. For more information about today's guest, visit our show notes. We hope you find this content valuable and leave feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. Enjoy. The first question I would love to know is, because I found you to now be a person that is, you speak so beautifully and openly about your truth and is comfortable with his emotions. I want to know when you were drinking, you know, for the first part of your adult life, what was your experience with emotions? Were they things that you embraced? Were they things that you hid? You know, if you had to kind of rattle off what you believed about emotions two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, what comes to mind? So I'm going to go back a little further than that. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 14 years old. Um, And my mother did not believe in putting a teenage boy on medicine. So I wasn't put on medicines at all. And then I went to the Marine Corps at the age of 18. And I got out at the age of 21. And when you're in the military, you are designed you are broken down and and built back up to not have much emotion whatsoever you are to do what you are told to not ask questions and do it promptly and properly your emotions are not part of the game plan I, i was in u.s marines and i was in infantry and we were the first people on the front lines and my my life expectancy in the marine corps was three seconds so my emotion at that time was kill or be killed so I, I was I was completely focused and brainwashed, if you were, to say at the age of 18 to 21 that I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof and men like me don't have emotions. We only have a killing attitude um, that we were unstoppable and nothing could hurt us. When I came home from the Marines and, and I had that decompression period and I, all my emotions set in from what I had seen in Somalia, what I had to go through. And now I was lost in my mind of what am I going to do now with the rest of my life? How can what I went through help me in my future life? And I was lost. And I found myself with with a gun in my lap contemplating using at the age of 21 because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. So my remedy was maybe I should drink and drug more because I can suppress my feelings, I can suppress my emotions and not have to deal with them. Fast forward 20 plus years later, and I'm still doing the same thing, drinking and drugging to suppress my emotions because I didn't want to deal with them, have found me in a, in a spot where I, I tried taking my life by taking 18 Oxycontins and drinking a 12 pack of beer and woke up the next day because I still did not want to deal with my emotion. And then realizing that, oh my God, I'm still here. Maybe there's a reason. And then still continuing to drink for the next four years, the most I ever drank in my entire life, which took me to a point where my wife finds me in the basement with a rope around my neck, standing on a bucket, getting ready to jump off to my friend, extending his hand and saying, we need to get you help. At the age of 44, after 27 years of drinking and drugging, I finally was ready to deal with my emotion. I found the bravery and the courage to take that step, to start 
learning who I was and the traumas that I that I went through as a child. You know, my father leaving when I was in, I was six years old, and me not thinking he ever loved me, and abandoning me and me and my mom, and things that I thought were my fault, and I carried the burden for so long. I finally realized and did the research that none of it was my fault. I'm holding on to all these things that have weighed me down and had this huge burden on my shoulders for all these years. And I'm drinking my drug and myself to this hole in which I thought that I should be in because I'm blaming myself for all this stuff. Once I had that courage and I found that I was worth something and I started to work on myself, I realized that the things that we hold on to in life more than none, because we're holding on to, we're not letting them go. We don't know how to deal with them. We're not willing to talk about it, willing to, sh to share or to let somebody know, hey, this bothered me and I don't like how it made me feel. Can we can we discuss this? Can we get move past this? Instead of just throwing it back, ah, I'll deal with it later. And then they do it 10 more times. And now instead of just one thing, now there's 10, 15 things that really made you mad about that person. And you never talked about any of them. And now you hate them. For what reason? When the first thing you could have just talked about and, and went over and set a boundary and that others 10 things wouldn't have happened. We are complicated people. The simple solution for complicated people, as soon as we realize how simple it is to take the steps to start to learn to love ourselves, we realize that the complications in our life were self-inflicted, that we brought them upon ourselves. And most of what we went through could have been avoided. Most of it. We put ourselves in some pretty bad predicaments. That was really awesome because you you highlighted a lot about kind of what it was like before, how deeply rooted your belief of it's my fault. I can't face myself. I can't face these emotions, you know, how deeply rooted those beliefs were and kind of the physical manifestations of those things, you know, and kind of the low points and bottoms that they brought you to and how they no doubt affected the lives of the people that you loved. And then coming to and realizing okay, it really wasn't my fault. And there are ways that I can, you know, process these things and learn more about myself. And while I'm learning more about myself, realizing that there actually are tools that I can use in my life to manage my emotions or to, you mentioned, set up boundaries so that I can mitigate or prevent further anger and resentment in my life. You've painted such a, a picture, a, a dark picture about what it was like before. And then now experiencing you as such an open light human. It's easy for, for my inner skeptic to say, and this is really just my inner critic, right? Like nothing to do with you my inner critic to be like, but how, like, how, you know, like, cause it's one thing to say like, Oh, like I want to be happier. And it's a whole nother thing to like get to the point of actually being happier. So can you shed a little bit of light on some of the work that you did, whether it was therapy or step work or whatever it is that has supported you. And then I'd love to hear from you almost like if you were to give a 60 second pep talk to a cis male who has believed for a long time that emotions are weak or that it's not okay to have emotions. What would you say to that person to try to breathe some truth into their current perspective? When I got to rehab, after that experience at the airport, I was 100% ready to do anything that they 
asked me to do. I finally was ready to get the help I needed to save my life. And I say me because it could have been years ahead. of My wife could have driven me to the front doors of a rehab. My friends could have booked all these plane tickets and had everything set up. But it truly does come from within. When you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I know that people hear that and it's a cliche, but it's so true. When you are finally done and you don't want to fight that demon anymore, and you're like, you know what? Let's try something else because this isn't working. This is killing me. And, and I don't want to live this way anymore. And you give yourself up to something else. I've never believed God. I've never believed in Jesus. I never believed, I was never a religious person. But things have happened to me in my recovery. That I, I'm a spiritual person now. I truly believe that there, there's something else. I have no idea what it is. I don't know what its name is. There's something else out that kind of guides us in a way that it gives us the options or gives us these, okay, well, you can do this or do that. Which path are you going to go? Because if you choose this one, wow, some big things are going to happen. If you go that way, you've been that way about 10 times. You pretty much know what, what's going to happen on that path. I don't want to go that path anymore. I stopped thinking things were happening to me. I stopped thinking I had bad luck. Most of the stuff that was happening to me was happening because of decisions I was making drunk or under the influence of drugs. Once I made that conscious choice to work on myself, journaling, that's helped me a big, big thing. Writing, write five things down per day, what I am grateful for. Whether it's, I'm grateful for my dog. I'm grateful that the sun came out. I'm grateful that I woke up again this morning. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. You know, I'm grateful for this house that, that took me 10 years to buy. You know, it can be something as simple as I'm grateful for that cold glass of water that I was able to get out of my refrigerator because I paid the bills and the electric's on and there's ice in the ice maker. Something that simple. But I'm, I've read a gratitude list. I journal on how I'm feeling, not every single day, but if I've had a... And I don't say I don't have bad days. I've, I have constructive days that force me to work on myself because every day that I'm alive is a good day. It may be a harder day than the day before, but I don't ever say I have a bad day anymore because it was a day that I was alive and I had experiences that day that I can learn from. So I don't truly say, oh, yesterday was a bad day because as soon as you put that in your mind, now you have a negative thought. I try not to have negative thoughts anymore. So I'll write something down if something by the same. Everybody has a boss unless you work for yourself. Say the boss pissed you off the day before because they made you do something you really didn't want to do. I'll write it down. Then I'll read it. And then I'll look at it and be like, well, it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was yesterday when it happened, when I was going through it. But then you look at it and you're like, oh, it's just part of the job. It's done. It's over with. Why worry about it anymore? And worrying is not going to change anything that happened before. And if it doesn't change anything that's going to happen, then why even worry about it? It takes away from your inner peace. And that's one thing I have definitely learned. I am a lot more balanced emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I truly believe that has helped me big time, big time to find a balance in life. I did 98 and 90 when I first came home meetings. I felt as if I was starting to get a distaste for doing a meeting a day and two on Saturday, two on Sunday. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to back it up a little bit. I'll do four a week. I'll still get my my connection with my, my group. I'll still get the, but I want to start going to the gym and exercising. I changed my diet and my exercises in rehab. They had a personal trainer there. So I changed my diet and I wanted, you know, if I was going to do this, I was going to do it 100%. 
because I drank and drugged 100%. I didn't half-ass it. I didn't drink one beer. I drank 12 to 18. You know, I, I didn't just do a little bit of drugs. I did them a lot with beer. So if I'm going to do the sobriety thing, I'm going to do it 100%. I'm going to go both feet and both hands in and do whatever I can to change my entire life. So mentally, physically, and spiritually. If I didn't take sobriety as seriously as I took drinking and drugging, I think I would ultimately end back drinking and drugging. I'm not going to say that the whole 27 years was hell. I had some really good times drinking and drugging. I had good memories with friends from high school and going to concerts and stuff like that. Really cool stuff. But it's the collective. It's the overtime. How you how you look back and you just think of the wasted opportunities, the mornings you wake up sick and, and not wanting to, to deal with the world. So you drink a drug again, that consistent rabbit hole that we go in over and over and over and over. Now, changing my mindset to being positive and changing my perspective and how I look at everything, everything has really helped me to become the person that I'm becoming. Not become, because I don't know yet what I'm supposed to become. I know that now on this journey, I've accomplished a lot more in 17 months on Friday than I have the last 27 years. And I mean that as far as self-growth. I know self-growth. I've done a lot of stuff in my life. I've accomplished a lot of things that people would be like, oh, wow, you did that. Oh, you, you, you know that person. You, you knew that. You did that. You were there. It doesn't mean anything if, if we're not working on ourselves. It doesn't mean anything if we're not learning from it and growing from it and becoming something better than we were yesterday. Now, this just journey of sobriety is more than I've ever imagined. It's more than I ever could ask for. It's helped me to find my purpose in life now. And that is to share when I never wanted to before. I never wanted my story to be out there. I was ashamed. And that's a big thing. A lot of people are ashamed of their story. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say behind my back? And when I was in rehab, <clears throat> there was a group of us that hung out and I would share my story to about four or five people. But there was about 60 of us in the main that would meet every morning in the same group. And uh, this one guy next to me every every morning was like, you going to share today? I'm like, yeah, man, I ain't sharing for all these people. He said, come on, man, share. I'm like, I can't do it, dude. And he's like, Tim, he's like, I'm telling you, the way that you tell your story, he's like, it's going to help somebody in here. And I was like, nah, I, 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 you know, some of these stories in here are pretty messed up, you know? And he's like, we're all messed up, buddy. That's why we're all in here. He's like, Share your story. He's like, I'm telling you to share your story. It's going to help somebody. And I didn't listen to him. You know, I, sh I just continued to share with four or five people. It wasn't until I got home and had three months of sobriety. I, I started to watch podcasts. I started to follow recovery people on Instagram and Facebook. I'll get into their stories. And I'm like, wow, that really helped me. Wow, I can relate to that. That happened to me. I did that. And I was like, you know what? I, I said, screw it. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to share my story. Who knows? Maybe it will help one person. That's all I thought about. I said, maybe this will help one person. And by doing the steps in recovery, it says to give back what was, so given, was freely given to you. I'll help one person. I'll feel good that I, I did a good service. And maybe that'd be it. So I did a podcast. Four days later, I get a phone call out of the blue. And, and there's a guy on the end of the phone. He's like, is this Tim? And I said, yes, it is. He said, hey, this is Tony. I said, okay. I said, how you doing? He said, from the Marine Corps. I served with you in 1995. Just 2021. I was like, this is 
21 years later and he's like hey i just want to let you know um i've been struggling with a pain pain pill addiction for 18 years he said um i watched your your, uh your podcast four days ago he's like and uh i have four days sober he's like i never thought it was possible he said but i listened to when you said don't give up hope and that we all can do it to ask for help and he's like man he said you saved my life He's like, I don't know how to repay you. And I, I was tearing up listening to him. And I was like, how'd you, how'd you get my phone number? And he's like, I, I got it off of Facebook. I was like, wow. He goes, I, I live in Ohio. I live in Baltimore. You know, and I hang up the phone. I think I sat in my truck and cried for like 10 minutes. And I had this feeling of that I helped somebody. That I, I did a, I genuinely helped somebody without having a handout. Well, what are you going to give me back? What am I going to get from this? Because what I got from that was more than I ever could imagine. The feeling that I did something right and something that came from the heart for the very first time in my life since I was, since before I started drinking and drugging was, was an amazing feeling that started this whole journey on these podcasts and me sharing and me doing interviews. I said, I, I helped that one person and I freaking knew him. How cool is that? How many other people could I help that I don't know that could be from someplace else other than the United States? And today, this is my 51st podcast since Starting the podcast journey three months into my sobriety. So within 14 months, this is my 51st. I have seven scheduled this month after today. So I already have seven already scheduled. I don't even ask. I barely ask to be on anymore. I just open my emails and people are like, can you please share? Can you do this? Can you do that? It has come full circle. That is amazing. It's truly amazing the people that I want to thank the podcasters for for having shows for people like me to share my experience because we have the reach to reach so many people around the world, not just at our local fellowship meetings, not just the people that we know in our hometown or who we run into the malls or at the store. We have the ability to reach so many more people and hopefully change the stigma of alcohol and drugs and mental illness. We actually have a power to help change it. It's truly amazing that social media has given us the outlet to do that. I was never on social media like this until I got sober. I had a Facebook page and it was like for my friends and family from high school. I had like two or 300 followers and it's all people that I knew I went to high school with or Served in the Marine, like family. And three months in, I started an Instagram page and started posting stuff about my podcast and how I changed my life through fitness and diet and my mental, my mindset and how I look at everything so grateful. And, and within, I don't know, a year and two months, I just checked this one. I have 105,000 followers on Instagram because I don't bullshit anymore. I speak the truth. I tell it how it is. It's not always pretty. It's not always rainbow and sunshines because that's not life. It really truly isn't. But it's how we overcome the dark times in our life. What do we do to take what we went through and help it to make us grow? Help it to make us become a better person? Yeah, we can all sit there and wallow and do the whole woe is me and pity poor 
you know, the pity pot of me and all that stuff. What are we going to do to take that experience to help us move forward, to help us project our future? Done looking at the past. The past has nothing to do. And that's why they said the windshield's so big and that, that rear view mirror is so small. Because eventually the more you go forward, you, you, the less you see in your rear view mirror. It's a memory. It's gone. We need to focus on what is ahead. I sometimes don't even do that. I just focus on today because I, I find that even focusing on what, what's to come can take you off your path. It brings anxiety. It brings you know, worry. brings doubt. Focus on the now, the present. And... It's funny because, you know, I do these podcasts and they say, oh, you got a really tough exterior, you know, you know, everything that you've done, but yet you cry or, or you tear up or you speak with so with conviction. And I'm like, yeah, you know, bravery isn't running. I mean, it is running into a building on fire. That's brave. Bravery, the definition is doing something when you're scared and you do it anyway. You're scared, but you do it anyway. Courage. It takes courage to admit defeat. It takes courage to cry, bravery to cry. Everybody has emotions, whether it's sad or happy, depressed or, or ecstatic. We have to be in tune and in touch with our emotions, no matter what we look at on the inside or on the outside, because inside is we're all the same on the inside as far as eternally heart and our feelings. Everybody's outside is different. It's like a, a race car. All race cars look the same. They're all beautiful on the outside. But what makes the one race car win? It's the people that are working on the internal part of that race car. And what work is put in on that inside that makes that one win, that makes that one shine, that makes that one go faster, run better, turn better. It's the eternal work that's done. You can have a race car with no engine. It's just a pretty freaking race car that just sits there. It's not going anywhere. But you start putting that time into what's really making that car move and you'll get places fast and you'll get there, you'll get there firmly and with distinction. So I started to work on myself. I started to realize that my emotions were part of me, not to suppress them, not to hide them, not to push them down with alcohol and drugs. The more I let them out, the better I felt. It literally, the more I share, the more I let out, the more weight comes off my shoulders the more light I feel on my feet, the happier I become. The more I, I, I can let people understand and know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Usually the people that smile the most are hurting the most inside. They put up that barrier because they don't want anyone to know what they're going through or they don't feel as if anybody knows the pain that they're going through. We all have different pains. We all have different emotions that we go through. But at the end of the day, we can all help each other. Some people just need an ear to speak to. Some people just need a hug. Some people just need to know that people care about their worth. They're worth something, that they're meaningful, that they're loved. I just think, yeah, my kids will be better off without me. I'm a piece of crap dad. Wow. You know, when my wife came down to that basement and saw me standing on the bucket, the first thing she said to me was, first she said, what are you doing? And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I just want pain to stop. I can't get on that plane. I can't do it. And she looks at me and she says, do you know what this would do to your children? Please, Tim, please get down. Everything's going to be all right. I never could imagine everything was going to be all right. It was because I told myself that. I allowed those voices that we all have, those inner voices, to control me more than the positive. And it's just like that old saying where a gardener has, has a garden. 
one side he has weeds, the other side he has vegetables. Whichever side you water is the one that's going to grow. And eventually, if you're watering the weeds, they're going to take over the garden of the roses. If you water the roses, eventually it will take out the weeds. Which one are you going to grow? Which one are you going to water? Which one are you going to listen? I'm done listening to the weed side. I'm done. It ruined my life. It took over everything. And it almost took my life from me. I'm not doing that anymore. My mindset is completely shift. I'm done. I'm ready to live the life. Something out there has always had waiting for me. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes every single day to stay sober, be grateful, and spread my message of hope and recovery to people that need to understand and know that recovery is out there. We can get the help that we need, and we can all live the life we've always imagined. We have the, it's, it comes from with us. We can do it. Don't think you can. We can do it. We can all do it. I wish I had one of those buttons that like a sound effect that was just like a massive round of applause. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you for merely existing today. You know, like, oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Like, I, I feel like I'm sitting next to you and we're just like getting to witness you and like totally relaxed hearing your story because you're relaxed telling your story. And that's a beautiful thing. I asked you like, okay, so you painted a dark picture and now here I in front of me is this like light kind man like how you know how do you how do you bridge that gap and what I heard you say was it was a journey first and foremost it, it you had a spiritual experience that that opened you up to have a, a profound sense of willingness just work on yourself and with that willingness you journaled you reflected on the things that had been bothering you. You wrote gratitude lists. You started slowly but surely to share your story. You started to realize that you had the ability to help people. You did a lot of like kind of what I consider like cognitive based therapy, just like identifying those fear-based thoughts and starting to replace them with thoughts that are more loving that would really you know water the roses and lead you in the direction that you desired to go into and you mentioned that the place where that work really happens is in this day in this present moment because when we think about the past you know like we're thinking about something that doesn't exist anymore when we're thinking about the future we're thinking about something that doesn't exist yet, but where we make the incremental changes that affect our future, let's say, is today in this moment. So those those little things like five things you're grateful for or, you know, like what are the what are the emotions within me that are uncomfortable right now? And like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, is it really something I want to spend more time on? than just these five minutes that I have spent writing, you know, and to me, like that is the work there's simple incremental things that really make a huge difference in the ability to affect our life and the lightness that we feel as we walk through it and you really you gave us some very tangible you know things that we can try and I appreciate that because not only is your story just like powerful and so inspiring to listen to but my hope for those listening is that that inspiration you know seeds a willingness to to actually put pen to paper and try a gratitude list or try reflecting on the way that you feel inside and, you know, find that transformation for yourself by doing the actual, the actual work. So thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. Aww. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Sober Reference and kudos to you for taking in some sober positive content today. If you haven't heard it yet, you're doing a really good job. If you'd like to nominate someone or share your own sober story and sober snacks with our community, DM us on Instagram at soberreference underscore IG and join us there to cultivate pride in your sobriety as we inspire you through art and storytelling. I'm your host, Louise Grady, and I'm grateful that you're here. Thanks for listening to Sober Reference. We hope you found this content valuable and are leaving feeling inspired to drink less, live more, and meet your potential. You can find more cost-free resources on our website, www.soberreference.com. We hope that you'll connect with us on social media, search Sober Reference now, and look for our logo. Great job taking in sober positive content today. Until next time, this is Sober Reference, and we are so glad that you're here.